From Biden disrespecting another service member to his DOJ politically persecuting Americans, our two-tier justice system has never been more apparent, and the closer we get to election season, the worse it becomes. For example, let's take a peek at how January 6th defendants are faring in Joe Biden's America. Enrique Tarrio sentenced to 22 years despite not even being in D.C. on January 6th. Joe Biggs sentenced to 17 years for shaking a Capitol fence on January 6th. Proud Boys convicted of conspiracy despite the court admitting they had no plan to storm the Capitol. Four known suicides of peaceful January 6th defendants after the feds targeted and threatened them with jail time. Americans' homes still being raided in 2023 for peacefully walking around the Capitol on January 6th of 2021. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, your host for this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. And we're going to be, of course, talking about January 6th, uh, the defendants, the Proud Boys specifically, who have been sentenced and uh, the repercussions of this. It's absolutely horrific to see what is going on in this country. And uh, we're going to be talking about the ADL as well, because they're trying to run a gigantic censorship campaign on Twitter right now, because they absolutely cannot stand that we have freedom of speech, that we have the ability to have freedom of thought, that Tucker Carlson is allowed to interview gay crackheads who alleged that they had cocaine sex orgies with Barack Obama. We can't have that. So the ADL, of course, trying to put a stop to that. So we're going to be getting into all of that today. A lot of news to get to. And of course, before we do, I have to remind you all that you guys do fund this show. You keep it going. And I just have to personally thank all of you, especially the subscribers on Subscribestar. Thank you guys so much for your monthly donations. If you would like to support the show, this is one of the easiest ways to do so. Link is down below. All of the proceeds from there go towards merchandise, towards equipment. Uh, they go towards the show. So thank you guys so much. Uh, please also remember you can leave a five-star review on apple podcast i was reading the podcast at the front of the show but i'm going to move them to the back of the show because i, I want to get straight into the news and then finally we've got the website sav says official.com go check that out for my latest articles videos all of that good stuff now uh we are going to be getting into how america is doing under Joe Biden's rule, under Joe Biden's terror regime, and I think it's even unfair to say Joe Biden's regime because we all know that he is just this incoherent puppet that is being propped up. And we see this every single day when he comes out and he's like, oh, they told me to read off of these note cards. Oh, they told me that I had to pick this specific reporter. We all know that he's not the one that's running anything. And whoever is running things in this country is absolutely demolishing us into the ground. It's not going well, my friends. And like I said, ahead of the 2024 election season, we are not even a year out yet from that 2024 election date. And we are already seeing the political persecution ramp up, not only of, again, Donald Trump, political opponent of Joe Biden, but of the everyday average American citizen. And before we get into January 6th, I kind of just want to quickly brush over Joe Biden just this week alone, um, starting out with him abruptly walking out of a Medal of Honor ceremony just yesterday. So this video was just absolutely heartbreaking to me, uh, not because Joe Biden seems lost or 
unaware of what to do, but because he is awarding this veteran the Medal of Honor. And if you wait until the end of this video here, look at this veteran, Vietnam War veteran, just standing there awkwardly. Biden didn't even wait until the closing benediction, the closing prayers of the ceremony, he just walked out. And then you're seeing the slow zoom of this poor veteran's face. And, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking to me, to be quite honest, because our veterans deserve so much more. Again, this was Joe Biden uh, walking out before the end of a Medal of Honor ceremony. And what I wanted to do regarding this story was actually give props to this veteran since Joe Biden didn't even have enough respect to stay until the end of the ceremony. He gave this 90-year-old veteran his medal and then he just bounced out. That was it. And then Corrine Jean-Pierre had the audacity to be like, oh, well, it's because Joe Biden has COVID and Joe Biden didn't want to give other people COVID. So he just walked out. It's a, it's a BS excuse. It's a BS excuse. So again, let's take a moment to actually honor this veteran here. Uh, so his full name is, and let me see this here. I wish it was like at the beginning of the actual article here. Um, okay. So this is uh, army captain Larry Taylor. I apologize. I said he was 90, but he's actually 81 years old. And uh, he was again, going all the way down to the bottom here, awarded the Medal of Honor for his heroics during a June 1968 battle in Vietnam. Uh, this the, the distinguished helicopter pilot braved intense ground fire for 45 minutes while making low-level attack runs, uh, strafing the enemy with bullets and aerial rockets as they surrounded U.S. forces on the ground, running low on fuel and ammunition. Taylor decided to extract the U.S. patrol group. He used his two-man Cobra helicopter, something that had never been accomplished or even attempted over the course of the war, with complete disregard for his personal safety, all while braving enemy gunfire. So I just wanted to actually honor this veteran because Joe Biden just abandoned him up on stage and left him there alone to, to just awkwardly stand there during his own ceremony in which he would have been honored. And Many people calling this extremely disrespectful, highlighting how whether it was American sons or daughters who were killed in Afghanistan and Joe Biden looking down at his watch as their bodies were delivered back to the United States or the residents of Maui who had just experienced their entire homes burning down and Joe Biden cracking jokes. He just disrespects all Americans from all walks of life, whether they're service members, whether they've been dealing with a natural disaster in some way, shape or form. Uh, he just clearly doesn't care about Americans. He's so out of touch and it's really heartbreaking. Now, moving on as well to what else we're seeing in the United States from CNN today, federal judge orders Texas to remove floating barriers aimed at deterring migrants on the Rio Grande. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've talked about these uh, buoys. Remember that the Democrats try to make them a huge issue and say that they were migrant killing contraptions because there were dangerous saws between them to which I responded if you don't want to get sawed migrants don't illegally cross the border and touch the saws there you go it's not that big of an issue but unfortunately a federal judge is ordering Texas to remove floating barriers in the Rio Grande River and bar the state from building new or placing additional buoys in the river according to a Wednesday court filing and I want to highlight this point here marking a victory for the Biden administration so understand what this administration stands for. They stand for a border being unsafe. They stand for the, uh, the, the, what's the opposite of, of safety, the violence towards everyday Americans, 
the non-security of everyday Americans, the disaster for everyday Americans. I mean, look at our various cities, look at our various states throughout the U.S. You now have New York, which was typically a Democrat stronghold fighting with the federal government because migrants are overrunning their city and they're calling for federal aid. And Joe Biden's like, yeah, no, sorry, good luck. And the border is a mess right now. On top of that, couple that with all of the human smugglers and drug smugglers that are continuing to come across the border every single day because, you know, I'm already hearing the echoes of Donald Trump's a racist and he said all Mexicans were rapists and that's why he can't be in office again. We're still holding on to that BS lie. But what Donald Trump said is that, yeah, people coming across the border aren't the best. They are criminals. They are gang members. That's absolutely true. We've discussed that multiple times. And now we have a federal judge trying to stop us from be being able to protect our border here in Texas. Now, somebody made a really good point, and I was like, that's, that's really interesting. And they basically said that what Texas needs to do is completely ignore federal law similar to how sanctuary cities do the same thing with their drug policies. For example, in Philadelphia, um, when I went there to go report on the drug crisis on their harm reduction centers in which they're passing out illegal paraphernalia to the drug addicts, what that city has done is they circumvent federal law by saying, oh, well, the governor, if you get your paraphernalia from this specific site, we are going to exempt you from federal law and we're not going to prosecute you from having this illegal paraphernalia. And so somebody basically said that Texas needs to just follow suit and um, not give a damn and completely ignore this federal judge in an attempt to secure our border. And that's what needs to be done. Like if we really want to win on the right wing, if we really want to make positive changes and waves in this country, what we are going to need to do is push back and fight back. And I don't even have this up in my <laughs> in my stack of news today, but Tucker Carlson, he actually put out a video of, like I said, this uh, crackhead talking about having this cocaine-fueled sex night with Barack Obama, and a lot of people on the right wing are really upset about this because, you know, we're better than that. We have to turn the other cheek. Why are we paying attention to this news that isn't really news? I have a different take on it. I think, great, if the entire left wing for the entirety of Donald Trump's political career is going to throw every baseless conspiracy and smear at him, calling him a Russian agent, a rapist, a racist, a bigot, a white supremacist, a Nazi. Okay, fine. Then we're going to call their guy uh, a cocaine-fueled sex orgy addict who's also gay. Fine. You want to play dirty? The right needs to start playing dirty. I'm going to be honest with you in that. And, and again, going back to Greg Abbott and just completely ignoring this federal judge, that, that is what needs to happen because this is American safety that is being sacrificed at this point. And we see it every single day when you see stories of illegal immigrants who should not be in this country raping our children, murdering people. It happened here in Texas. Remember, a guy went on a shooting spree and then uh, the Second Amendment gun right, or yeah, yeah, the anti-gun rights people were like, oh, th this is a gun issue. And then it came out he was an illegal immigrant. That story went away really fast. So this is about American safety at this point, And we need to start fighting fire with fire. So whether or not you think the gay orgy Obama story is credible or not, to be quite honest, I think it's kind of 
ridiculous. Like I, as somebody who has put out my own stories and journalism, do think you need to have more than word of mouth to corroborate claims like this like hey you know even a picture of him and obama from that night i haven't watched tucker's full piece yet so maybe that is in there but from what i have seen and gathered so far there's not really any corroborating evidence so i would like to see that if i were to actually report like oh wow this this seems like a credible thing but more importantly great fight fire with fire if the left wing is going to be a savage as they have been with us if they are going to continue to throw every name in the book at us and label and deem us domestic terrorists every single day which again like i started out in this show we have people being sentenced to decades in prison for conspiracy despite not even uh, making any plans to storm the Capitol. We'll get into that here in a moment. It's an absolute just atrocity what's happening in this country. Uh, but by the way, like I said, we're going to do a quick run through of the border. Uh, Biden also canceled all oil, gas, drilling leases and the Alaskan Arctic Wildlife Refuge. This happened today as well. The Biden administration announced today that it will cancel all oil and natural gas drilling leases in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge that were sold under the Trump administration. A move that federal officials said is to protect the region's array of wildlife and combat climate change. So if you guys were hoping that those gas prices were going to go down anytime soon, you would be absolutely wrong. And there you guys go. This is another example too. I was on the Drinking Bros podcast today. Uh, I believe that is airing tonight. So if you guys want to go listen to more of my content, go check that out. But one of the hosts was asking me, what do you think about the left wing saying that Saudi Arabia and Russia are slashing oil production because Trump is a Russian asset or an asset to the Middle East and they want to get him back in. And my very cut and dry common sense response is that's so ridiculous because all Joe Biden has to do to lower our gas prices is pump oil in the U.S. The U.S. can be energy independent. We do not need to be reliant on these foreign countries for our natural gas. But when you have an administration that is stopping uh, oil and gas drilling leases, that is stopping new fracking here in the United States, we're going to suffer from those oil and gas prices. And it's just been so hilarious to me to see the media try to drum this up as, oh, this is an attack on us by Saudi Arabia and, and Russia, and this is Trump's assets coming in and trying to make Joe Biden look bad. No, Joe Biden can easily fix this problem tomorrow by allowing us to pump oil in the United States. It's really not rocket science, my friends. Now back to January 6th, the top news of the day. Like I said, Enrique Tarrio, 22 years. Joe Biggs, 17 years. Again, for shaking a Capitol fence, all right? I put this tweet out, and I, I also added in here everything to corroborate these claims, right? Because I want people to understand the severity of where we're at. So we're going to start off uh, with the fact that earlier this weekend, right, everybody was focused in, and we'll get to January 6th in a moment, uh, but earlier this weekend, you had this big group of Nazis walking around Altamonte Springs in Florida. And of course, it was this big story, this big issue. And Laura Loomer was actually at the forefront of exposing this group. And I thought it was really interesting 
because our federal government right now is going after peaceful January 6th defendants who, to be quite honest, the majority were just standing outside of or were even let into the Capitol and we're just standing inside of the Capitol. Let's not forget all of the videos we saw of the Capitol police being like, hey, like, just please don't touch anything. Please know that this is a sacred place. And they were just they were getting their their guided tour of the Capitol building. I even said this on the podcast that I was on today as well. Like, look, the narrative that there were people that were, were violent there that day, that is partially true. But it is also partially true that people were let in. And by the way, a lot of the people who were violent were um, tied to the FBI. They were either feds or they were Antifa pretending to be Trump supporters. But let's just completely disregard all of that. So Laura Loomer, who was at the forefront of exposing this group, um, this is the Goyam Defense League and the National Socialists. Um, she says they aren't far right. They are Nazis who are on camera saying they want to vote for Joe Biden because they support the Azov Battalion and Biden keeps sending Ukrainian Nazis militia money. That's actually what they are saying in this video that I am playing right now. But they're also calling Laura a plethora of very colorful anti-Semitic words that are not very nice because Laura Loomer is Jewish. So of course they were calling her every word in the book. Uh, so that, that clip, I didn't want to sacrifice this whole channel for some fed Nazis. So I was like, let me play the B roll. We'll, we'll see what Laura has to say about this. Cause she was on the ground. So she says they're not far right. They were excited that Joe Biden is continuing to send many to Ukraine. And she was verbally harassed uh, by these people. Now, she did a really interesting expose on this group. Now, before I read this, let's go into this with the mindset that Joe Biden's DOJ is targeting innocent and peaceful Americans who were there on January 6th, standing outside of the Capitol building. Our FBI has labeled parents who are concerned about the curriculum their students are being taught domestic terrorists. Our three-letter agencies have gotten completely out of control in this country. And if you do do an in-depth look into the history of what the CIA, the FBI, even the DOJ, the NSA, the freaking TSA at this point, like take any of these three-letter agencies and look into how they have treated Americans, how they have infringed on, impeded upon our rights, how they've entrapped Americans, you will see that these organizations are not very good. And they have 1000% been weaponized against the average American. Now, Laura Loomer, going back to these Nazis, says, this is massive. You all need to read this. I've exclusively confirmed that the FBI identified Ukrainian operatives and neo-Nazis who were at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th and even questioned January 6ers about these Ukrainian spies during interviews with the FBI. During their private interview with uh, Jacob Chansley, the FBI asked him how he knew a Ukrainian operative who took a photo with photo with him on the day of January 6th. Chansley didn't know him, but the FBI confirmed that Ukrainian Sergei Divinin was a Ukrainian spy who was affiliated with the Nazi Azov Battalion. She goes on to say this means the U.S. Capitol was penetrated by Ukrainian spies, and then she alleges that the CIA is funding a color revolution in the United States via Ukrainian Nazis and American Nazis who are being recruited by the CIA and FBI to fight overseas in the Azov Battalion and then come back to the U.S. to instigate Nazi political movements in a PSYOP intended to make right-wingers look bad. The reality is these people are Democrats and Biden supporters, and the FBI has been hiding the fact that Ukrainian operatives penetrated 
raided the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. She goes on to discuss how um, none of these people have been arrested, how um, a couple of the people that she was confronted by were already on FBI watch lists. But what is our government focused in on? That's right, taking peaceful Americans who utilize their First Amendment right and were like, hey, yeah, the government sucks and they're tyrannical. And they're like, you can't say that. You incited insurrections and violence. Uh, oh, BLM did the exact same thing, except it lasted six months, cost $2 billion in damages, and people died. Well, they were on the right side of the political ideology. So we're not going to go, we're not going to, you know, persecute them at all. We're coming after you guys. So going back to this, we're starting off with Enrique Tario, who got 22 years. And uh, reading into this article, he wasn't even in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. He was arrested two days prior because he flew into January or to D.C. And I believe he was arrested because he had taken a Black Lives Matter flag from a church and he had burned it. And so they were like, okay, they destroyed somebody's private property. We are arresting you for that. So he wasn't even at the Capitol or in Washington, D.C. for January 6th. And I want to read this part out because it's just, this is our justice system at this point. Tario was not at the Capitol on January 6th. He was arrested about 48 hours before the attack because of his actions at a previous pro-Trump event in Washington. Tario knew a warrant was out for his arrest thanks to Washington police lieutenant who has since been charged and pled not guilty. Prosecutors said the evidence suggests Tario strategically calculated his arrest as a means to inspire a reaction by his followers. That Tario spent most of January 6th at a hotel in Baltimore, prosecutors said does nothing to detract from the severity of his conduct because he was a general rather than a soldier. So I want you guys to understand what this means. If you use, if I use my First Amendment right, to highlight how corrupt and tyrannical our government is, and then people get angry and they protest against said government, that government, Joe Biden's government, the tyrannical government in power right now, is going to come after me and arrest me for my First Amendment right to call them tyrants. That's where we're at right now. And it gets worse. Now we have Joe Biggs, who was sentenced to 17 years in prison. Judge Kim Tim Kelly just made destruction of part of a temporary metal fence on government property a federal crime of terrorism. And I'm going to play you a video uh, that Julie Kelly put up of Joe Biggs shaking this fence. I'm sorry, this is in like 360p. This is the video that she had uploaded. But this is him shaking the fence. She slowed down the footage. And as you guys can see, he is like so slightly shaking this fence. But this judge made destruction of part of this temporary metal fence on government property, a federal crime of terrorism, said removal of the fence was part of the Proud Boys conspiracy to influence the conduct of government. This dramatically increases base level of jail time for Joe Biggs and Kelly, no doubt, will do the same for the other Proud Boys. So this was reported by Kelly on August 31st, and then Joe Biggs was sentenced to 17 years in prison. So... Those were two of the longer sentence, or yeah, sentences there. And then, by the way, the Proud Boys being convicted of conspiracy, even though by the court's own admission, uh, there was no 
plan of them to storm the Capitol. There was no plan to stop the certification of the election. And one of the defendants was in prison in a different city at the time. This was originally reported by Harrison Smith. And he took this from a New York Times article, okay? Because for anybody here who might be like, oh, the Proud Boys were domestic terrorists. They were horrible people. Let's take a peek at what the New York Times has to say, okay? Four Proud Boys convicted of sedition in key January 6th case. So seditious conspiracy, that's what they are being charged with. That's why uh, some of their charges were so high, right? Okay. Uh, the rulings also permitted jurors to convict on conspiracy, even if they found there was no plan to disrupt the certification of the election. So keep in mind, the entire basis of this was that they were disrupting an official proceeding, right? And they try to hit them with conspiracy charge to say that it was a pre-planned thing, but there was no plan. But they could still convict them with conspiracy, even though there wasn't a plan. You're still convicted. It gets better. Uh, none set forth an explicit plan to storm the building or to forcibly disrupt the election certification taking place inside. And this was the second half of a sentence that started out with, while some of the messages were overtly violent and hinted at action at the Capitol, none set forth an explicit plan. It keeps going. Even if there were no explicit orders to attack the Capitol that day, he said members of the group believed there was an implicit agreement to band together and to take the lead in waging all-out revolution. So there you guys go. Uh, I would like to also play a, a small snippet of Joe Biggs talking to Alex Jones about this because he admits himself as well, like, we didn't have a plan to storm the Capitol. And apparently, we, we never planned any of this, but we subconsciously all had the same idea. And this is what we were going to do. And we were charged with conspiracy for this, even though there is zero evidence of conspiracy. Listen to this clip. Hey, you know, it's all right. You know, my heart hurts. You know, this is ridiculous. You know, they, they said that shaking a fence was tantamount to terrorism. The judge told me that. And, and they want to send a message to Americans that if you go to these events, if you are part of political groups, they're going to throw you in prison for a long time. They want you scared. They don't want you to go out and vote. They want people scared before it's time to vote. And that's why all this heat's happening right now. Um, you know, this is ridiculous. We went there that day with no plan, with nothing. We were there like every other American. But it's because we're a political group. You know, uh, we knew that there was going to be a hit on us as soon as uh, Joe Biden mentioned us in the first presidential debate. I knew that there was something going on with this. And sure enough, even Enrique called it, um, they're going to put us in chains. And sure enough, they have. So there you guys go. We are now living through a judicial system where people can just make things up about you and allege that this is what you were trying to do, even if there's no evidence that you were. And then you go to jail for 17 to 22 years for it. Now, um, we also have, let me pull this up here. Biden's DOJ seeking to put InfoWars Owen Schroyer in jail for 120 days because he spoke out against the stolen election in 2020. Now, this is, it's just absolutely laughable here, okay, to actually read the documents, a part of this sentencing, and to see what this prosecutor is trying to put Owen in jail for. And if you read this, it's just cut and dry free speech, but they try to put him in jail for 120 days. And here's the actual document. It reads uh, that Schroyer took a megaphone 
before a crowd outside of the Capitol. And he said the Democrats are posing as communists, but we know what they really are. They're just tyrants. They're tyrants. And then he chanted 1776 outside of the Capitol. In their own document, Schroyer did not step foot inside the Capitol. He did not need to because he helped create January 6th. And there you guys go. That's what it is about. It is about impeding on people's First Amendment right. Because if you think the wrong things, if you say the wrong things, if you don't align politically with the powers that are currently in office, they will twist your words and they will accuse you of inciting violence and a riot and throw you in jail. So Owen set to potentially face up to 120 days in prison. And you know, it's just been absolutely heartbreaking to see what January 6th defendants have been going through as well, because this is the fourth known suicide of a peaceful January 6th defendant as well. Okay, so on top of people being sentenced, being given these egregiously long sentences, on top of peaceful Americans who were simply outside of the Capitol utilizing their First Amendment right. Like imagine calling somebody a tyrant and then them acting like a tyrant and trying to put you in jail because you called them a tyrant. It's like, I mean, if the shoe fits, I guess you're kind of exactly proving my point. That's exactly what's happening with Owen right now. And the persecution of these poor people has been horrible. So this young man, 22 years old, entirely peaceful January Sixers, died two weeks after he was charged with four misdemeanors. Brandon Straka says Julie Kelly has reported that another January 6th defendant has killed himself. Julie reports this is the fourth known, but we know of at least two more that haven't officially been categorized as a J6 suicide. And then he goes and says, please let me be clear. The left will twist this and say he killed himself because he realized that his cult leader, Donald Trump, lied to him and coerced him. No, he said people are killing themselves because a political riot is being called an insurrection. Proximity to this riot, even uninvolved proximity to the riot, is being labeled as terrorism and sedition. And because the left wing media and big tech are working with the DOJ to ensure that every person who was arrested on even the smallest misdemeanor charge never has an opportunity to recover their name, their reputation, their finances their career or any semblance of life that they once had so that is the reality for a lot of these people and, and again it's just it's absolutely heartbreaking here's another story because americans as well uh, those that are just continuing to be targeted and attacked and having their homes raided in 2023, this is what they're going through. This is from the Hodge twins. Last week, a friend of ours was raided by the feds over January 6th. His name is Nathan Hughes, and he's from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Nate was raided by the FBI and arrested at gunpoint. His girlfriend, who had just had a miscarriage, was held at gunpoint and put in handcuffs. The FBI turned off his security cameras, unplugged his internet, flipped his house upside down, and then the feds called the manufacturer of his Liberty gun safe, and guess what? Liberty Gun Safe gave the passcode to the feds and they went through his private property. They went through his safe all because he protested at the Capitol for two and a half years. And again, he didn't vandalize anything. He was a peaceful protester. He didn't assault anybody, but he's being labeled a domestic terrorist and a traitor to this country by woke leftists and the media. So there's another example of that, a very big story that 
finally went viral today. Liberty Safe tells customer they provided the FBI an access code for January 6th or gun safe. Uh, Liberty Safe tried to put out this BS statement on their Twitter account and be like, well, the FBI like asked us for the code. So we just had to comply with the government. And it's so funny because they try to pretend that they are devoted. And in the second paragraph, they say they're devoted to protecting the personal property and Second Amendment rights of our customers. But also, um, if the government tries to take away your Second Amendment right or impede on your uh, private property or personal property, well, the, the protection ends there. They turned off their comments on X to this post because they were getting so badly ratioed. And as Ian Miles Strong actually does point out, when the FBI demanded Apple develop and provide them a backdoor into the iPhone security lock, Apple refused and forced the feds to sue. The feds lost. Apple stood up for privacy, which I don't know if I even necessarily fully and truly believe that. But, you know, that is something that you guys can look into. And more than anything, it is an example that you don't immediately have to give passcodes or give up people's privacy to the feds just because they demand it. Twitter did the same thing when the feds demanded access to Trump's Twitter account, but the court ruled against Twitter in that case and fined them. So Liberty Safety did not have to immediately comply. But because we live in a country of political persecution at this point, the government can just flex its muscles. And then you have private companies bowing down and handing over your personal passcodes and your personal information, your personal and private things. So there you guys go. Uh, one more case of a January 6th defendant who was just sentenced to one year and seven months in prison for his role in protesting on January 6th. His name is Alexander Shepard. He says, the government claimed that I stopped the certification of the election, which let's not forget still happened that same day, my friends, and that my unapologetic claims of widespread voter fraud, along with my continued observation of federal agitators on 1-6, meant that I had no remorse for entering the Capitol building that day. Therefore, I need maximum deterrence in order to keep the community safe and prevent me from continuing down this life of crime. So another innocent American going away for almost two years, two years of this man's life being taken away because he utilized his First Amendment rights. And many conservatives highlighting the violent BLM protests that happened between Secret Service when they dismantled barriers outside of the White House back in 2020 during the violent BLM riots. And, you know, we kept it to D.C. specifically because it was like, okay, why was it that BLM was allowed to do that and there was no consequences faced? Why is it that these people were clearly on camera here violently dismantling barriers? Where's their 17-year prison sentence? Why is it that during the... Kavanaugh hearings, when they were trying to confirm him for Supreme Court justice, you had all of these liberal protesters try to take over the, the, the building there. Yeah, this was organized at the Capitol during the Kavanaugh hearings. They went and they, they stormed the Capitol. Where is the 22 years in jail for seditious conspiracy? Greg Price asks. But of course, two-tier justice system. We're never going to see the same rule of law applied to people on the left. We have seen it time and time again. And I don't know how much worse things have to get. And I think it's just going to have to get to a point of everybody being individually impacted for things to actually change, right? A lot of people hated Donald Trump and then they voted in Joe Biden and they were like, wow, the economy really sucks. 
maybe Trump wasn't so bad after all. Why? Because their personal decision to bring Joe Biden into office personally impacted their wallets. Until Americans personally feel the pain, until you have the feds coming to your door, knocking it down, taking your guns, putting you in jail because you said the wrong word, you critique the wrong politician until this really starts happening to people and they're personally impacted because this happened to somebody they know or a family member, even themselves, nobody's really going to care. And it's really heartbreaking that this is happening. We're at this point and it's just an accepted norm in the United States in 2023, going back to Brandon Straka, because he also served jail time, my friends. Um, he makes a really important point here because these judges in DC are trying to say that people bringing mace, people bringing body armor to January 6th was a direct result of this big conspiracy plan to storm the Capitol, to stop the election certification, to disrupt a judicial proceeding, which again, BLM does it all of the time. Why is it that Patrice Coolers of BLM was able to rake in millions of dollars by mansions via BLM, which was allowed to burn, loot, riot, murder, destroy, again, $2 billion in damages to American cities across the board. Where Where is her charges, right? Because shouldn't she be accused of a conspiracy to destroy the United States, a conspiracy to destroy democracy? No, where is all of that? Doesn't exist. Now, Straka makes a really important point. He said he's been attacked numerous times on camera by Antifa and BLM in Washington, D.C. We all saw multi multiple instances of Antifa and BLM physically attacking old people, mothers with small children, and numerous other peoples in Washington, D.C. for going to rallies to support Trump in 2020. I personally witnessed this myself. A lot of the footage that I took was of Antifa doing this, of them bullying people because, and they weren't even wearing Trump gear. They were waving the American flag in Washington, D.C., and BLM would just come and like harass them and mob them and attack them. It was a horrific thing to see. So he states people showed up in D.C. on J6 wearing helmets, goggles, and bringing defensive spray to protect themselves and others, knowing the D.C. police would be ordered to stand down and watch as BLM and Antifa attacked innocent people, as happened many times before. And it did. BLM and Antifa would just go out on the street and they would start throwing fireworks at people just eating at an outdoor restaurant. They would harass entire families. I watched little kids cry because their dad was getting beat up by BLMers. It was horrific. He says the DOJ and DC courts are twisting the fact that people had defensive gear, saying it is a sign of premeditated intent to cause harm. And they mock the notion that anybody was concerned about being harmed by make-believe Antifa. So... The DOJ misrepresenting this gear as attack gear. We're seeing that two-tier justice system. Uh, another great example, this comes from D.C. Drainer, Drano, lawyer who is very active on Twitter as well. A Proud Boys leader got 17 years in prison for tearing down a fence on January 6th. A New York lawyer got 15 months for firebombing a police car during the BLM riots. Does this seem like equal justice to you? No, it absolutely does not. And we are never going to see equal justice, to be quite honest. Now, of course, the only candidate who has actually come forth on the right wing, other than Donald Trump, who himself is a political freaking target at this point, a political prisoner at this point. They're hitting him with everything that they can with all of these nonsense, in nonsense indictments. 
the only other candidate in the right wing right now who has come out and actually been like, hey, this is wrong, guys. Like, maybe we should be talking about this. Julie Kelly actually made a really important point today. I was listening to her on Jack Kosovic's podcast, and she was like, you know, DeSantis still hasn't come out and condemned what's happening to these January Sixers, to these Proud Boys that have been sentenced. And they come from Florida. The majority of January 6th defendants come from Florida. So why is DeSantis so silent on this? And again, I'm not trying to make this a Trump v. DeSantis type thing, but to be quite honest, where is DeSantis in this? Why is it that we're not seeing these types of statements from DeSantis? Why are they coming from Vivek? He says America now has a two-tier justice system. Antifa and BLM rioters roam free while peaceful January 6th protesters are imprisoned without bail. Biden's Department of Injustice has executed over 1,000 arrests for nonviolent offenses related to January 6th, casting a dark shadow over Lady Justice and the foundational principles of our legal system. He talks about how to unify the country, he would commit a presidential or a pardon to all Americans who have been targets of the politicized federal prosecutions and those denied due process, which at this point is the majority of the January 6th defendants. So I just had to go over that because this is the real world repercussion of the manipulation of our language and the censorship that we saw over the past couple of years, right? It started out with us being censored online and then it turned into now us being censored in real in the real world. Where now if you chant 1776 like Ellen Schreier did, oh, oh, you want you want to chant about the foundations of this country? Congratulations, you're now a domestic terrorist. You're going to go to jail for 4 months. It's ridiculous. So Speaking of free speech and censorship on social media, let's take a peek at how tw or X, formerly Twitter, is faring now that Elon Musk has taken over. Well, Elon is threatening to sue the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, for defamation over lost revenue on X. Now, it's really funny because I was reading all the mainstream media articles about this. I took the weekend off, so I wasn't really following this story specifically as it unfolded. So I kind of had to come into it two, three days later. And I was like, okay, let me read the mainstream media news about this and see what's going on. And of course, the mainstream media is like, yeah, Elon Musk is threatening to sue the ADL uh, because they are trying to kill his social media platform. Sorry, it's so funny because they had to do the entire lead up to that they were like elon has threatened to sue the adl after accusing the u.s-based civil rights groups that campaigns against anti-semitism and bigotry of trying to kill his social media platform and then elon saying the adl is trying to shut down his company by falsing falsely accusing it and me of being anti-semitic so you just get a very basic understanding of this story like okay you read this and you're like well why is the ADL calling Elon Musk anti-Semitic? Does the ADL have a history of calling people anti-Semitic? Let's go ahead and take a peek here, okay? And this is why X has to be stopped. Now, I was thinking about the format of my own show here, right? This isn't just the SAV show. What this show is dedicated to is highlighting the independent reporting of people all across the nation, all across the world. So when I'm reading these tweets to you, they are from independent reporters who, by the way, many of which were completely censored and silenced off of Twitter, myself included, for years 
for reporting what the mainstream media refused to touch. And now that we are all back on a platform that allows free speech, these different organizations that are very left-wing, very progressive, hate free speech, hate difference of opinion or freedom of thought are coming in and they're trying to say, oh, you want to be an independent journalist who goes out and shows the violence of our militant actors, BLM and Antifa, you're not allowed to do that. That's hate speech. We're going to get you banned now. Oh, you want to tell the truth about how the COVID vaccine doesn't work? Well, we're trying to profit off of that. So we're going to shut you down now. Oh, you want to talk about the two-tier justice system that we're all living through and how the January 6th defendants are going through political persecution right now? Well, we don't see it that way. BLM and Antifa can kill you because (laughs) you're a bad person. Like, just let them loot because a life is worth more than private property. Just get over it. Um, But also, if you stood outside of the Capitol peacefully on January 6th in support of Donald Trump, well, you're automatically a Nazi domestic terrorist and you deserve to be in prison and silenced and killed. So that's who we're up against, right? Um, And that's why X has to be stopped. That's why the the free speech on this platform has to be eradicated because you do have people like uh, Mario... I can never say his last name right. Nafal. I know... Like some people love this guy, some people hate him, but I think that he is pretty good at giving sometimes just like the basic basic synopsis of stories from a different angle that the mainstream media would. So the mainstream media is like, yeah, Elon's trying to sue the ADL because they're saying that he's anti-Semitic. Oh, that's so crazy. And then Mario is like, the ADL is pressuring X into extreme levels of censorship and influencing sponsors to abandon the platform. Oh, that's interesting. The mainstream media didn't really frame it that way. Elon stated that the ADL has tried very hard to strangle Twitter. Tucker Carlson also criticized the ADL for trying to get advertisers to boycott him. Oh, F them. It's operated by a guy who's just an apparatchik of the Democratic Party. The situation escalated when Elon shared that the ADL has been trying to kill the platform by falsely accusing it and me of being anti-Semitic. He said they've been so aggressive in their demands to ban social media accounts for even minor infractions. Elon rightly points out that the ADL are ironically the biggest generators of anti-Semitism on this platform as their extreme censorship inadvertently causes people to become anti-Semitic. So apparently the advertising in revenue for X is down 60%, primarily due to pressure on advertisers by the ADL, which led to the hashtag ban the ADL trending on X because people want the taxpayer funded nonprofit organization defunded. Also, Elon is hinting at a release of a giant data dump of censorship requests by the ADL trying to censor certain accounts on Twitter. So the basis of this story in reality is that the ADL is trying to come in and the mainstream media will will frame this as the ADL just trying to stop hate speech. The ADL just trying to make the internet safer for people. But the reality of it is Who does the ADL deem anti-Semitic? Who does the ADL deem hateful? If you go on the ADL's website right now and you type in, it's okay to be right, white, not right. It's okay to be white, right? You can't decide if you're born white or black or brown. You can't really decide that. You're just born with your skin color. If you go on the ADL's website and you type in, is it okay to be white? They will say that that is a racist slogan. Just a little insight into who the ADL is. And we'll give you a little bit more. 
Now, Elon highlights that the Facebook cave to far left pressure groups and now allows them to silently dictate policy in exchange for ad money. And he links this Politico article that talks about the ad boycott that has Facebook on the defensive. Now, the ADL did something similar to Facebook, and it cost them, I believe it was $70 million. Let me see if I can pull this up here, if I'm correct. Um, let's see. Bloomberg researchers predicted Monday that the boycotts could cost Facebook only $250 million in ad sales, a sliver of the company's $77 billion in ad revenue. So $250 million is a pretty, it's a pretty substantial number, right? And then again, if you look here, keep this name in mind, Jonathan Greenblatt, okay? That's the CEO of the ADL. Uh, it was the ADL that began spreading word through progressive political circles that their small coalition was thinking of pushing for a one-month ad boycott of Facebook. And they go on to say that if corporations are really serious about fighting racism, then why not back away from advertising on Facebook for hosting racist speech? But again, what is racist speech per the ADL? Things like, it's okay to be white. And let's take a peek at the ADL's background, right? Who they've supported? Who would they have criticized? Before we get into that, a couple more things from Elon. Uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO at the ADL, kicked off a massive Twitter boycott campaign less than a week after the acquisition closed. Literally nothing had changed about the site, but the U.S. revenue is still 60% down from that campaign, but slowly improving. So Elon Musk highlighting how there wasn't this massive change of hate speech on Twitter because Elon had just acquired Twitter at that point, but the ADL immediately launched this campaign. The ADL immediately threatened Twitter because they were like, oh, if you allow Donald Trump to come back on, you're done. It's done. This is from Jake Shields. The ADL threatened to shut down Twitter for allowing Trump back on. Trump, the leading Republican presidential candidate, by the way. And this is from Jonathan Greenblatt, that CEO. As we've said before, Trump used Twitter to foment intolerance, issue threats, and incite a violent attack against the U.S. government. Moreover, he has shown no indication that he would do anything different if given the opportunity. So they met with Elon back in November, and they said he committed to not replatform anyone regardless of stature until he installed a transparent, clear process that took into consideration the views of civil society. And what is civil society in the eyes of these people? Again, people like myself being silenced and censored because we don't agree with the nonsense that they're, we're, they're consistently pushing out because we have a different viewpoint because we want to utilize our freedom of speech. And you guys watch my show here. I'm not calling for violence or hatred against anybody. I'm just very blunt with my words and I use common sense and I have a different opinion. And because of that, people like Jonathan Greenblatt want myself and various others silenced and censored. Let's not forget, it was what? The Gateway Pundit, James O'Keefe, myself, uh, Alex Jones. You had, who were the other big names that were kicked off Twitter? Donald Trump. Uh, the list was so long and extensive. And again, I feel like I just, you know, even the people that I just named off, you, you might be like, oh, well, I don't like their journalism because of this or that reason. Okay, still freedom of speech. And also you did have people that were being banned, censored and silenced for absolutely everything under the sun. Now, Andrew Ross Sorkin of the Squawk Box, this is on CNBC, they sat down with Jonathan Greenblatt to ask him 
about this entire boycott taking away money from X and defaming them. And this man straight up equated it to anti-Semitism. And, and this is what I can't stand because, again, the ADL tries to front and say that it's just this, like, it's an organization that is combating anti-Semitism. Therefore, if you critique them in any way, shape, or form, you're anti-Semitic and hate Jewish people. No, that doesn't make any sense. It's like the same argument that BLM used where if you don't support Black Lives Matter, then you hate Black people and you're racist. No, actually, I just don't support Marxism. No, ADL, sorry. I just don't support censorship and I don't support you being uh, you know, the dictators of who is and is not allowed to speak. So here's the ADL CEO, again, in his own words, just very quickly bringing up the anti-Semitism into this conversation to try to deter any type of criticism. Were you seeking to have some kind of either role at Twitter or any kind of uh, donations made or other things? No. I only say that because there have been folks who've looked at these situations and felt that they were being sh you know, shaken down. Look, I think, l let, let me be honest about that, right? I think it is sort of anti-Semitic trope to suggest when Jewish people express uh, a degree of outrage over anti-Semitism, that somehow that's a shakedown because Jews are greedy. That sounds to me... I'm, and I, and look, I'm not I'm Jewish, saying so you I'm not, believe I'm not even that. trying to. I'm, I'm just saying that, that is the... Occasionally look. you hear the critique. Okay, and again, do you see how he manipulated that to be like, oh, it's a shakedown because we hate anti-Semitism? It's like, bro, this is not about anti-Semitism. You're using the anti-Semitism as a mask here and labeling anybody that you don't agree with as anti-Semitic. So let's get into the ADL and who they've called anti-Semitic and who they have uplifted in society and who they have critiqued. Uh, now, really quickly, too, uh, Laura Loomer has a RICO case against Facebook. And um, this is when Elon was talking about Facebook caving to far left pressure groups that allow them to dictate policy in exchange for ad money. Loomer says she, she mentioned this in her RICO case against Facebook. And she said, did you know that in 2019, Procter & Gamble, one of Facebook's largest advertisers, gave them a list of names of accounts Facebook needed to ban if they wanted to retain P&G as an advertiser. I was one of the accounts, and then I was permanently banned on Facebook and Instagram. It's all laid out in my case. So that's essentially what the ADL is trying to do with Twitter right now. Oh, you, you think the wrong things. You say the wrong things. You're trying to run for office, and we don't want you to get in, so we're trying to limit your reach as much as possible. You need to be banned, or we're going to take down the entire site. Now, Chai Rachik, who herself is a Jewish woman who runs libs of TikTok, says if you don't go along with far left narratives, the ADL, who are basically just a left wing propaganda arm, will defame and try to silence you. They are the defamation league. And she puts two responses up from the ADL because the ADL wrote up a little excerpt on libs of TikTok, labeling Chaya a popular anti-LGBTQ Twitter account um, and that she's anti-trans, that she hates people, that she is pushing anti-trans messaging and it has dangerous implications. This is all the ADL. And what does libs of TikTok do? They take TikToks of liberals and they post them and they say, wow, look at this. This is crazy. Why is this person saying this? What is this mindset? So you, again, this is, you're not allowed to critique anything. You're not allowed to highlight anything. You're not even allowed to use the, the left's own words against them, or you're a horrible person and you're going to be defamed by the ADL. Tucker Carlson, like I had mentioned, also labeled anti-Semitic by 
Jonathan Greenblatt, CEO of the ADL, and he demanded that he be deplatformed. Here are the tweets right there. Colin Carlson, an obvious anti-Semite. Jake Shields himself, last week when I decided to go after the ADL, one of their lawyers threatened me by saying he would hurt any and all business work deals. My response was, get effed, dork. They love to bully and make threats, but they are quickly losing the power they think they have. So there's a little insight into what it's like working with the ADL or working towards free speech, to be quite honest. Elon Musk tweets, based on what we've heard from advertisers, the ADL seems to be responsible for most of our revenue loss. Giving the maximum benefit of the doubt, I don't see any scenario where they're responsible for less than 10% of the value destruction. And then Alexander Vindman, a name we've all heard before because he was responsible for trying to actually uh, getting Donald Trump impeached one of those times for, again, one of these various nonsensical claims. He says, companies that continue to advertise on Twitter slash X are sponsoring anti-Semitism. It is apparent to me that Elon Musk tweeting against the ADL is targeting them for harassment. Another example, you're not allowed to critique people. You're not allowed to have your own opinion because if you now tweet at somebody and you highlight what they're doing and you highlight how they're taking, they're trying to target your platform because you're allowing everybody to have their freedom of speech and voice their own opinions, that's now harassment and you're now anti-Semitic. So there you guys go. Oh, also, this is the ACLU, not the ADL. My apologies, but this community note was amazing. We're going to skip over that. Um, but yeah, there you guys go. That's what's currently going on on Twitter. So hopefully Elon Musk can push forward with this defamation lawsuit. And it would be absolutely hilarious to see the Anti-Defamation League sued for defamation and for Elon to win this. And to be quite honest, based on what we're seeing, it does feel like there is a solid basis for this because that is what the ADL has done time and time again is just straight up defame people and then try to hide behind this mask of anti-Semitism when in reality they're trying to censor their opponents or anybody who critiques them. Like you said, similar to how BLM was like, oh, if you criticize this, it's because you hate black people. No. Please stop. So good luck to anybody on Twitter, myself included. Uh, again, the entire basis of this show is me taking the work of independent journalists all across this platform specifically and highlighting it and allowing real American journalists who have been out on the ground, who have talked to other people, who have been at the forefront of these things, who have made it their specialty to focus in on January 6th or whether or not face masks works, doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough or uh, Robert Malone, right? Those were two doctors who were silenced on Twitter during COVID because they had the audacity to give us an alternative method of treatment for COVID-19 that could have saved various lives. Let's not forget you know, it was like doctors, it was medical professionals who were silenced for going against what the government was trying to promote, which they then again, I'll backtracked on, by the way. <sighs> Speaking of COVID, um, again, we are trying to, we are starting to see this quote unquote resurgence of it. A DC area elementary school in Montgomery County, Maryland is reinstating a mask mandate and 95s for third graders over a few kids testing positive for COVID. Now, I already told you as well that uh, Joe Biden has been tested for COVID-19 because Jill Biden tested positive for it, to which I laugh and say, who the hell is still being 
tested for COVID. It's freaking 2023. Okay. The virus was released by the government. We already all got it. We have natural immunity to it. The vaccine's been out. It's done. It's over with. Be done with it. But Karine Jean-Pierre still has to get up in front of the masses and be like, well, Joe Biden's going to wear his face mask to be safe and to make sure that everybody is is good. So there you guys go. We are going to do one more segment here. And uh, then we're going to wrap up this show because I saw this clip going viral the other day and it was really interesting to me. And another one of the points that I have realized as I've gotten older is that one of the reasons why the average person doesn't care, right, about homelessness, about out of control crime, about the economy, about safety for individual American citizens or our country as a whole is because a large portion of the population, I wouldn't say large, but like this next generation, right? They don't have families. They don't have kids. They don't own property. And so when you don't own property, you're not really going to care about your property value going down because of rampant crime and homelessness. If you don't have kids, you're not really going to care about safety, about securing the borders, about the economy impacting whether or not you can buy food or pay for your rent as much as you would if you had kids. If You're not paying your own bills if you're still living at home with mommy and daddy. These political issues aren't going to affect you as much as they would if you were paying your own bills. Again, I talked about this on the podcast that I was on today. So this is in part a cultural and moral issue. And this has to do with this next generation that is coming up just lacking the the values of having traditional family, of getting married, of... Having, like I said, any type of morals, to be quite honest. Anyways, this clip went super viral because Matt Walsh tweeted it out. So let's listen to this woman and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, But this is her talking about, she's a single woman, 29 years old, what she does on a Saturday. And it got, I think, almost 40 million views because Matt Walsh retweeted it and had a pretty interesting response. So listen to this clip. It's 10.45 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 29 and single, and I don't have kids yet. Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10.15. Every time I thought, I should probably get up and do something. I thought, why? Nobody's making me. I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night, and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. And I danced and drank my little heart out, and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I I did that. So the funniest part about this is that Matt Walsh retweeted it and said her life doesn't revolve around her family and kids. So instead it revolves around TV shows and pop stars. Worst of all, she's too stupid to realize how depressing this is. And it just ignited this entire firestorm on Twitter with people calling uh, Matt Walsh a horrible person with people defending this woman. And for me, I watched this video and You know, she came out and she responded to Matt Walsh and she was like, oh, well, I just create content for people who are in this phase of life where they don't have kids or aren't married yet. She was like, I do want to get married. I do want to have kids. It's just not where I'm at in life yet. But also listen how she talks about children, right? Like very quickly in her video, because that whole video is about two minutes long. She's immediately talking about how, oh, because I don't have kids, I was able to do this. Because I don't have kids, I was able to sleep in. Because I don't have kids and a husband, I can do whatever I want with my day. And it was just this very negative connotation. And to me, it was just more of a symptom of 
this generation who is getting older is not getting married, that doesn't have kids, who doesn't have the morals and the values. And that's why we see our society, we see no problems actually getting fixed. And I do think it that is in part to the, due to the fact that we have seen a huge portion of this generation just completely infantilized, right? You have men that aren't getting married. You have women that aren't having children as well. So the natural wisdom that comes with, like I said, being a property owner, being a mother or a father is just not being imparted and everything is collapsing and the average young person is okay with it because they're like, eh, it doesn't really impact me that much. Whereas if they had I would say more of these response responsible or like real real world adult responsibilities, they would see the country in a different light. But anyways, guys, that's kind of all I'm done rambling on about. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, again, please remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not left one yet, I just scrolled through all of the um different stories that I didn't get to. But thank you to every single person who has left the podcast. Like I said, I have gone through and I have read every single one of these things. And I really do appreciate each and every one. So thank you all. And with that, I am wrapping up this episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you guys next time.